Have you ever felt stuck before? Like you know where you want to go and you know that there are options to get there. You're just not sure how to get that, how to attain where you want to be. So we have a little bit of an older house, about 30 years old, probably time to redo the underlayment. And we had a leak that was going into my closet. It was ruining the drywall. So I had to cut that out. And it's like, you know what? I'm a homeowner. I can take care of a few things on my own. So I get out the extension ladder that's probably 40 years old from my dad. And I slam it up against the house and I climb up. And then I realize I hate ladders. And I'm stuck on the roof. Like legit, like I don't, there's not much that scares me. I'm cool in crisis. I have seven kids who are noisy all the time. I can handle a lot of things, but I got on the roof and I had like this moment of panic. Like my fingers are numb. I don't know what I'm going to do. My wife, it's a Friday. Kids are gone. I call my wife. She's at lunch with friends. I was like, babe, I can't get down. There is no way I'm getting down. She's like, just figure it out. You're a grown up. Just, it's going to be okay. Thank you. And so... At that moment, I remember there's a verse in Proverbs that says it's better to live on a roof than in a home with a contentious woman. <laughs> I'm not sure that's what that was applying to, but I pace. I look, I walk to the front of the house. And I'm like, maybe there's a wall I can climb on because my seven-year-old can get on the roof without a ladder and his a dad can't. And I walk to the backside and I'm like, okay. I look and I'm, I'm like, oh, I'll call one of my neighbors. No, my neighbors are at work to hold the ladder. And I touch the ladder and it shakes a little bit and I'm like, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. It's going to be hours up here. And then I go, the pool's right here. <laughs> Mind you, this is a single story home. <laughs> Nothing more manageable than that. And I go, I'm, I'm, this is my only way out. I'm stuck. This is it. And I call my wife back. I'm like, babe, I'm jumping in the pool. She's like, just don't jump in the pool. Just wait. I was like, no, you're with your friends. It's okay. I'll call you once I'm alive. All right. So I take my phone. I take my stuff. I throw it onto the trampoline. And I go, okay, dear Jesus, help me. And I hurl myself into the pool in February. I call, I call my wife. I'm like, I'm okay. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. And then I, I call my friend Joel, Joel, who's over here. And he's like, I cannot believe that you chose to hurl your gigantic body <laughs> off your roof instead of using a ladder. I was stuck. But I pressed on to figure a way out. I want us to look in Philippians this morning to see what Paul is calling us to, to press on. What is the process for us when we feel stuck? If you have your Bible, open up to Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 12. Paul's continuing his thought from uh, before about taking in the sufferings and wanting to uh, be in the resurrection of Christ. And he says this, starting in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this, talking about that, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, family, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction and their God is their belly and the glory and their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven 
And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, for one, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. What we see here is Paul is giving us a process for how to deal with when we need to move forward. How is it that we're going to step into something new? He says, I'm not there. I know I'm not there. I want to be there so desperately. I see progress in my life, this sanctification of the work of the Holy Spirit, but I'm not exactly where I want to be, so what do I do? He says, you need to press on. He says, you need to press on because Christ has made you his own. That's the why of pressing on. And we could stop right there and we could have a great Sunday knowing that we can press on, we can move through the things that this world throws at us, the tirelessness of this life because God has made us his own. And I don't know what else more we would need. When you understand who you are, when you can grasp the fact that Jesus loved you enough to come and get you, to save you from yourself, to make you his own, his own possession, He bought you with a price, his blood on the cross. The why of pressing on, the why of we don't just stay where we are is because he has made us his own. But the how, how do we do this? How do we press on when it feels like I'm not there, I don't understand what to do? I press on with the how. The how is this, forgetting what's behind Forgetting what's behind. We live in a culture that loves to remember the past. Whether it be those happy moments, which are absolutely incredible. You think about a vacation or a a moment at Christmas or a time with your family or with your buddies in college, or you look back to your wedding day, and those are absolutely incredible memories. and, And we should think about those things. Those things at times bring about introspection, ways we can learn Ways we can see how are we going to move past our past? How are we going to live in the future? And yet there are times when our past becomes so ruminating that you get worked up. Have you ever found yourself thinking about past situations or past sin when you cannot move past it? It owns you. You wake up in the morning, you walk all day, and you can't get rid of what you were or what you think you were. And it owns you. It engulfs you and it ruins your day. It ruins your relationships because you aren't ready to move past what God has already freed you from. See, our past can be a teacher, but it should never be an anchor. Our past can be a teacher, but it should never be an anchor. Paul says, we forget what's behind. We leave it in the past. There's nothing you can do to go back and fix it. There's nothing you can do to go back and and change what happened. You can choose to live in the joy of your salvation versus the guilt of defeat. You can choose to live in the joy of salvation versus the guilt of defeat. The only way you have any opportunity of changing it is if you have a time machine and a sports almanac from 1950 to 2000. There is nothing else you can do. 
and none of that exists. Regret beats us down and it owns us. And yet there's freedom in Christ to say, that's not who I am. I don't live there anymore. I am free to be who you've called me to be. Some of us would rather live life thinking about what we have done than what was done for us. And some of the things we want to think about are all the accomplishments we've done. Or maybe you're thinking about, man, I was so successful. Why am I not there anymore? Or we had it so good. Or why did we take so many kids? And you can sit in that and it will absolutely destroy you. Because all you're doing is thinking about yourself. And not the one who loves you more than you love you. The second thing Paul says to do to press on after forgetting what's behind, he says we strain forward to what's ahead. We strain forward to what's ahead. The, the word is apprehend, to go after, to chase it, to there will be nothing in my way that will stop me from getting the prize, which is Jesus. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I love college football. And I cannot wait. This is the quiet season. It's darkness in my life. I cannot wait till I wake up at 6 a.m. and hear coming to your city. I'm ready for the beginning of September. But what I love is when I see an exceptional player, a defensive back, track down a running back. Their eyes on the prize. There is nothing in the way. No linemen, no blocking from the outside. And when they apprehend it, it is with absolute force. They will do whatever it takes to get the prize. As Christians, that's the way it should be for us as we press on into getting Jesus. That there's nothing in this world worth our time or willing to be in our way that we wouldn't push aside to get to the one who loves us. The one who gave all that we could have freedom so we wouldn't have to live in guilt and shame and fear. This is active, not passive. You were passively living until Christ found you. He actively found you. And now you actively pursue him. You go after him with everything you have. You press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. You do whatever it takes. You follow the process. You're unwilling to waver in your determination of what God has provided for you. When you feel stuck, when you're not sure which way to turn, you understand that there's options, but there's a process. We forget what lies behind and we strain for what's ahead. This is where in, in kids' worship in children's church, I'd ask you to repeat after me, so I'm going to do that now. Everybody say, follow the process. Okay, that wasn't good enough. Everybody say, follow the process. Forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead, which is the prize and the high calling of Jesus Christ. Have you ever lost something and you had to find it? There was something that you were missing and there was, there was something, it was like calling to you that you had to have it. I've never seen someone go after something so ferocious as a dad with a missing remote. I'm serious, and I'd see it in myself. It's like anger wells up in me, and I will do whatever it takes to apprehend the beast that hit it or lost it. Dads are flipping couches. They're under couch cushions. They're cleaning. Dads don't, I clean. Some dads don't clean, and they're doing whatever it takes. They're junk drawers. And then 
happenstance, they go upstairs in a bedroom nobody used. They open up the covers and there's the remote. And it's as though they were rejoicing in the greatest prize they've ever had. They lift it above their head and they say, I am the man of the house. What would it be like for us to chase after Jesus that way? Or whatever it is in your life that you want. And it's such a simple illustration, but when you've been there or you've seen somebody go after it, you're like, I get it. I get it. But Jesus is so far greater than any of that, and you know that. There's not one of you in here who could look at me and go, you know what, you're wrong about that. Jesus is worth every ounce of every, excuse me, everything that we have. We press on. He says in verse 15, if you're mature, think this way. If you're mature, follow the process. Everybody say, follow the process. If you're mature, you will follow the process. You will forget what's behind. You will strain toward what's ahead and you will go after it with everything that you have. If you flip over to Philippians chapter two, Right there on the next page. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. There's no far greater sign of maturity than humility. Being humble enough to know you don't know the way. Being humble enough to admit you can't get there on your own being humble enough to know that you need to follow the process of forgetting what's behind and where you've been and what you've done and remembering the joy of your salvation and that Jesus is calling you to strain and strive for what's ahead. Let it go. Stop living for yourself. Start living for others. And if you don't know, the Bible says right here that God will show you the way to think. Sometimes we overthink it. We overcomplicate the process. We try and figure out these other ways around the problem instead of saying, oh, okay, God, you already gave it to me. Let me just follow your way. Let me lean into the process that you have given me. John 14, 26 leads us straight into what Paul says next. John 14, 26 says that the Holy Spirit will bring to mind all the things that I have taught you. All these things in the moment that we need, Paul says this, Hold on to what is true that we've already attained. Why are we looking for outside sources when we have the word of God to drive us to the heart of God? Hold on to what you've attained. Hold on to what you've learned. Hold on to the humility and maturity of being a follower of Jesus Christ who follows the process. You understand that in your life, you let it go and you move forward to pursuing him. Hold on to what is of true. Hold on to what he's given us. Follow the process. Stay the course. Tom Schrader would always have these incredible quotes that we all thought were his, and they never were. And one of the ones when I was in high school he would use all the time was a C.S. Lewis quote that's most of the time we need to be reminded more than we're taught. And I remember being in high school going, that's so clever. That's exactly what I needed to hear because I had grown up in church and I had believed that I had, could come to God on my own terms, and my own way. And that in those moments when I would hear that, it was me sitting there going, you just need to believe what you've already heard. 
There's not something new under the sun that's gonna change the way that you feel about Jesus. It's you remembering what you've already been taught and living and believing the truth of Jesus Christ that he died on the cross and that he rose again so that you could have new life. Not that I could attain him, but that he already attained me. Sometimes we need to be reminded more than we're taught to hold on to what is true, to what it is that we've already learned about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, Paul tells us to imitate him. Do what I do. You know what he does? He follows the process. Everybody say, follow the process. Paul follows his own process. He forgets what's behind. Look what he said all the way in the beginning of chapter three. Look at all the things that I've done. Look at who I was. All of it is rubbish. There is no gain in anything that I've done. Everything that I am is because Christ has made me his own. Imitate me as we follow the process, as we do what God's called us to do, as we confess our sin, as we love one another, as we love our neighbor, as we love God the way that we're supposed to do. It's almost this picture of apprenticeship. Follow me as we go wherever we go, whether it be Paul and Timothy, Paul and Titus, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and John Mark, all of these pieces, all of these ways in which we go together. When we go rogue, when we go alone, that's when we get sideways. When we're without community, when we're without each other, without accountability, without people in our life to say, hey, do you really think you should be doing that? That's when things go sideways. Imitate me. Follow the process. The Christian life isn't about being an entrepreneur. The Christian life isn't about you going out and figuring it out on your own. You trying to make this thing your own. Jesus said, go and make disciples, right? Follow me as I make disciples. Then those people make disciples, teaching them all that I have commanded you. There's nothing new to be teaching, We're not called to be entrepreneurs in this Christian life. We're called to be followers. And as a follower, you then become a leader with other followers because you have somebody that you're following, Jesus Christ. That's what happens when you get to verse 18. These people who have gone rogue and Paul with tears as any shepherd would when there are people who are lost to themselves. I tell you with tears as some have left because they love themselves and focus on earthly things. When we don't follow the process, when we think we know better than God, when our eyes are on ourselves, they become on the world and the things of this world. He said their own destruction, their bellies are their own God, and they chase after these things that are fruitless. They've forgotten to follow the process. When we go it alone, church, things get sideways. That's why this whole thing is built on community. That's why we're built, we come here to gather on Sunday, to scatter throughout the week that we would be the light of Christ everywhere we go. That's why we call people to be in RCs so that we'd have relationships that are encouraging us to be more like Christ as iron sharpens iron. These places in which we don't have to try and make decisions on our own. We have others who are with us. Verse 20 But we know our citizenship is in heaven and we await Jesus coming and he is the prize. Until Jesus comes again, we follow the process. 
when we feel stuck, when we don't know what to do, when we feel like there are all these life decisions, spiritual decisions, things going on, forget what's behind, strain to what's ahead. Attain to the things we already know because the truth will set you free. We don't have to wonder what to do because the process is so clearly in front of us when we need to press on. Why do we press on? Because Christ has made us his own. How do we press on? By forgetting and straining forward. Paul's not just leaving us to wander, wondering how we'll be more like Christ or how to pursue to be more like Jesus. He's giving us a clear example of what he's done in his own life. And he says, imitate me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Paul clearly wants to not remember what he's done. But in 1 Corinthians, he tells us that what he wants to remember is Christ and Christ crucified. He wants to remember Christ and Christ crucified and all that God has for us and everything that he's done. And for one, he says this, stand firm, follow the process, stay the course. Church, what else are we gonna do when we already know what to do? Do you think you know better than God? Do you think your way is greater than the way that was already put before you because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? When we chase ourselves and we chase our own way, you're gonna be stuck. You're gonna find yourself in loss and in want, dwelling in guilt and remorse, shame, and yet God says, you don't have to live there. You are free because I have made you my own. Stand firm, follow the process. It's not that following Jesus is hard, it's fighting ourselves that's the hard part. Think about that one more time. It's not that following Jesus is hard, it's fighting ourselves that's the hard part. Follow the process. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the work of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have made us your own and that, God, we know exactly what to do. That we can forget where we've come and we can strive to what's ahead. And in all of that, God, we know that we are loved, that we are cared for, that we are covered, and that you are everything. So God, I pray for freedom from our past. I pray for freedom from sitting around and wondering what could have been and being thankful for what is. God, you are good. God, you are gracious and you love us. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.